Okay, last week we looked at the biblical perspective on singles, those who had never been married. This evening we would like to look at what we have now come to call the single again. Some people like to say the single again and again, but we won't go into that aspect of it. But tonight we'll be talking specifically about what the Bible has to say about widows. That's those whose mate has died, of course, but they have not remarried. And the divorced, those who have legally separated from their mates and have not remarried. Now, of course, there is a, another grouping that we'll be looking at, and that is the divorce who has remarried. But that takes a little bit more time, and I have to get a new set of armor when I uh, speak on that particular one. So we'll deal with that later on. But I'm so, uh, you know, the scriptures are amazing. I hope you find enjoyment and excitement about reading and studying the scriptures. It's really fascinating to uh, see how God deals with every aspect of our human uh, lifestyle, our needs as human beings. It's just wonderful. And he deals with it in a wonderful and a caring way. And no matter what we may find ourselves in, no matter what state we may be in, the scripture tells us that it's possible to glorify God. No matter what mistakes we've made, no matter what uh, kind of lifestyle we've lived, no matter how we have walked away from God in the past, there's always a new beginning that God gives us. Isn't that wonderful? And I, I, I certainly praise God for that because I know I wouldn't be here tonight if it weren't for the fact that God has made it possible for Christians to repent. You know that? For Christians to repent. Sometimes we get the mistaken idea that repentance is only for the unsaved. Oh, no, no. In fact, I really believe that there's a, a principle in spiritual growth is that unless you are repenting every day, you're not growing. Repenting means a change of mind and a change of, uh, of habits, lifestyle from things that are displeasing to God, things that are dishonoring to God. So we thank God for that. So tonight we want to look at the scriptures. Now a lot of the information, a lot of the truths that we'll be looking at, you probably have already heard and you know yourself. But I trust that you find new applications tonight. And by the way, we're talking about the family and we're all part of a family. We all have relationships with individuals who probably are experiencing every aspect of the marriage or family life that we've already spoken about. And I'm sure that as we go through some of these, you will say, well, it doesn't apply to me because I'm not single or I'm not married or I'm not divorced or I'm not a widow, so therefore it doesn't apply. Yes, all scripture is profitable. And God has given us the word so we could share with others as well. Amen? And that's why it distresses me sometimes when people say, well, since you're preaching on this subject tonight, I'm not coming because it doesn't apply to me. That is telling me that you really don't understand the Word of God. Every passage of Scripture has an application to us. And we just have to be exposed to that teaching first of all. But let's look at then what the Bible has to say concerning widows at this time. First of all, it tells us that widows or widowers... Now, this is another amazing thing for me. I really have not done it so much before, but I tried to do it the past couple of weeks when I was looking at this, you realize the Bible doesn't say too much about widowers. 
men whose wives have died? It's <laughs> because they get married quick. Eh? Uh, but that's true. That, that's amazing. Most all, every reference to a maid who has died has to do with the wife and how she is to live a life and so on. But of course, there are principles that carry through, and we'll see that as we go along. Actually, I'm trying to do a further study now as to why that is so. And I'm sure there is. Why God has, doesn't focus on the widower as much as the widow. And we'll make some more comments as we go along. But first of all, the Bible tells us that a widow, and I believe that is true of a widow, widower as well, is free to marry if a mate or his mate has died. But if she or he is a Christian, they can only remarry in the Lord. In other words, she or he is only free to marry another Christian if that person's, a person happens to be a Christian. Take your Bibles, take, turn to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39, where Paul teaches this. Now, when you read 1 Corinthians 7, especially the, the, the passages dealing with marriage, it's very important for you to get some background information there. The Corinthians had some real weird ideas concerning marriage. Some are actually teaching that even though they were married, it was better for them not to have relations with their wife. And some are teaching as a result of that, uh, you shouldn't get married. Uh, they were teaching all kinds of things, and that's why Paul wrote this letter. But he says in 1 Corinthians 7, and we'll jump right into the middle of a context. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. It says, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she is free to marry to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Now, as I said, I believe Scripture supports the concept that this is also true of the husband. All right? He or she is free to marry, but that person must be a believer. Now, we will be addressing this particular concept concerning the, the, the biblical teaching that Christians are commanded to marry Christians. When we speak to young people, and concerning if God has chosen them for marriage, exactly how to go about this. Christians are to marry Christians. That is the point is underlined, even for those who have been married before and the mate has died. If you marry again, then you only marry a Christian. Now you say, well, that's good. That's all well and good. But you know, when you're living through the experience, is a different situation, depending on the, how long you've been married. And how you have been left as a widow. Because sometimes things get very difficult. Things become very tough. As far as support is concerned. If everything is not in place as far as the church is concerned. And many times, wives especially, but not only, but wives especially, uh, are looking for support. Financial support, emotional support, and so on. And sometimes it's difficult, just as Barb indicated, to find a good Christian husband. And so uh, the, the, the temptation, the tendency is there to marry the person who comes along who can give me support. That's only um, make, preparing you for additional and further difficulties in your marriage. The Bible is very clear that Christians are to marry Christians only. And that goes for widows as well, even though they have needs that must be met. We can see how that need, those needs are met in Scripture. But also in Romans chapter 7, verse 3, 
Paul says, so then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. He just has the concept now of divorce and so on, and the living husband and the marriage situation there. But if a husband dies, she is free from the law, the law of marriage, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Again, the same principle is here. Once the maid dies, then that maid who survives is free to marry again. But if that person is a Christian, you must marry another Christian. This is the basic teaching concerning widows here. Paul encourages young widows to get married, to avoid becoming busybodies and to avoid immorality. And this is where it gets tough for women because a lot of women read this passage and say that Paul likes to pick on women. But let's read the passage. That's all we can do now. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5 because he encourages young widows, young widows to get married. And this is what he says. Verse 9, 1 Timothy 5. A widow is to be put on the list. It appears that during this time in the church there at Ephesus, the church had a list of widows that they would support. But there are certain qualifications that had to be met for the widows to be put on that listing. And this is one of the first ones, he says. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old. Not less than 60 years old. Having been the wife of one man. One man. This tells us something about marriage as well. Having a reputation for good works. Now notice, this are, these are all qualifications for the church to consider when they consider supporting a widow. All right? And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. Now that's quite a standard, isn't it? You have to look back on the history of this woman, this widow. How was her lifestyle while her husband was living? Was she involved in good works? Did she care for the saints? Did she bring up her children in the way that is pleasing to God? All of these things have to be be looked at if we're going to support the widow. Now, notice verse 11. That's the older widows, over 60. But refuse to put younger widows on the list. Refuse to put younger widows on the list. That's anyone under 60. Why? For when they feel sensual desires in this regard of Christ, they want to get married. Let me try to put some uh, background to this. It appears in reading uh, Timothy and some of the... uh, background of, of the Ephesus culture and so on, that um, in order for individuals to, for widows, to have a part of the sharing of uh, material things in the church, they had to make a commitment. A commitment to purity, a, communi- a commitment to godly living. That's a commitment they had to make in order to be put on the list as well. And so when Paul alludes to this commitment to Christ, here is the idea that 
because young women were found to have made a commitment but then go astray from that commitment, Paul says you have to watch out how you put them on the list. Notice what he says now. Refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married. Thus incurring condemnation, incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. You see, they've made a commitment to purity, they've made a commitment to service, but now because, uh, how did we say, the fire is burning, they want to say, what? I will or I do again. You see, Paul says, watch out then. Don't put them in a situation, if they're young, where they have to uh, have this conflict. It appears he believes that once you reach 60, you're not going to have these desires anymore, at least not as strong is the idea. At the same time, they also learn to be idle. And they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Now, I'm only reading scriptures, ladies. Please don't fight me. I didn't write these things myself. All right? This is scripture. All right? And Paul is saying you got to try to avoid this. And it appears, he says, that these things are true of the younger widows rather than the older, the more, more mature widows. So, so therefore, he says, watch out how you put them on the list to care for them. So he says, therefore, I want younger widows in context that's under 60 to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any, women, if any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them and the church must not be burdened so that it may, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. Now, this is some uh, very... Um, Difficult teachings for widows at times here. Because there's a sense of feeling that once a person's widows, the church is supposed to automatically care for that widow regardless of what she does, how, whatever it is. But the Bible says that's not true. We have to be much more uh, sensible in, in using the Lord's money. And he gives us some directions here. And so it tells us something about widows. Now, of course, we could put this the same principles to, to widowers, men as well as far as the kind of lifestyle they're supposed to be living and the kind of commitment to Christ they should be making. But, the, but uh, we, we have to emphasize it with women because that's what the Scripture emphasizes and that's what we have to emphasize as well. And so there's a whole body of teaching here now concerning how the church is to respond to the needs of widows, you see. And we try to use it sometimes... Uh, um, because of our own feeling for situations, sometimes we tend to be ready to help anyone. But sometimes the scripture says that's not the thing to do. And we have to follow instructions. We get into trouble at times, but that's the scriptures. Now look at First Timothy 5, verse 3. Honor widows who are widows indeed. That's widows who indeed are those people who fit into disqualifications here. And he says, by the way, that if the widow has children, then those children should be caring for the widows. 
That means before actually the church starts to help a widow, they should do everything to make sure that the, uh, that the children, if they are in a position to do so, to provide that help themselves. And Paul is very clear on this. Honor widows who are widows indeed. The word honor there doesn't mean show respect for. Say, yes, ma'am, how are you, ma'am? This word honor means to take care of financially, to provide re- material resources for. This is what he's talking about here. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. See, this is another reason why we as pastors here must be teaching our children that they have a responsibility for caring for for their parents. They have a responsibility, especially in the old age, but also especially if they are widows. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed a hope on God. Now he's going to find for us, very clearly, very, very specifically, who is a widow indeed, and one who qualifies for the support of the church. Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, and has fixed her hope on God, and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. That's a widow indeed. She has no one to support her, and she is a godly woman seeking the will of God in her life. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. That's quite a statement. And it's concerning a widow widow who puts aside her commitment to Christ and seeks after fleshly things calls through the inspiration of scripture says that she is dead spiritually even though she lives and then Paul says prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach in other words this is what we should be teaching teaching what the word says so that widows might be above reproach not bringing dishonor to Christ or to his word But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than a believer. I think I'm speaking especially to the the children of the widow. You see, he applies this, of course, to the husband, but it applies in context especially to the children of widows. And so he gives specific instruction here. And then he says also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. Now this is Paul speaking here to uh, people, Christians especially, in certain situations. When things are difficult, if you have a commitment for God and so on. He says, I say to the widows that it is good for them to remain single. The idea is here, if you have a real desire to honor God in your life, and that is predominant in your life, then Paul says, especially if things are tough, remain single. Then he says again, in case of fire, say I do. Verse 9, but if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. He's talking to the widow as well as a single person. 
And so we have a lot of instructions in the scriptures concerning widows and how God desires them to live. Here, Paul actually encourages some, the younger women, to marry. But then he encourages others to remain single, as I just said, to prevent distraction from the things of God. Listen to what he says again in uh, verse, uh, I think I just read it. A wife is bound as long as a husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, Paul says, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. So he's saying to the widows, really consider uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the prospect of marrying again. He says, the only reason why you should do that is if your passions are still uh, on the front burner. Uh, and it's very difficult for you. Say, but otherwise, commit yourself to serving God. And he believes that will be, especially if things are difficult, especially if you're living in difficult times. But then he goes on to say, but if you marry, you have not sinned. You see. So he's telling us that is something that must be considered uh, quite um, thoroughly before the decision is made. But then he also talks about older widows. And he says that all the widows are to be totally committed to God, especially in the areas of prayer and good works. All the women should be experts and involved in teaching young women the fine art of wifery, how to love their husbands, how to love their children, and how to take care of the home. Listen to Titus chapter 2 verse 3. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. Not malicious gossips. Not enslaved to much wine. Teaching what is good. You see, remember in the other passage you said that's what some of the younger women were doing. Involved in gossip and so on. So that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands. King James says to teach their uh, younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. So that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now he's speaking of older women in general here. But I believe it applies also to widows. And this is a tremendous ministry here that Paul outlines for the mature women of the church. And I believe it's one that we have failed to follow through. It's where older women take it upon themselves to mentor and to teach younger women how to be good wives, how to love their husbands. Isn't that amazing? Paul is saying that these older women can actually teach younger women how to love. That means love can be taught. How to love their children. And how to be keepers of the home. And how to be subject to your husbands. This is what all the women are supposed to be doing in the assembly, Paul says. They are to be committed to this. And I believe that if this is applied to our assembly, our church, as well as to other churches as well, can have a tremendous impact upon our young women and our homes that are 
uh, homes that is established as a result. I remember that uh, we did something like this in the former church I was at, where we, for one, 18 months actually, we met with a group of ladies based on the same passage. I was going through the book of Titus, and I said, let's put it to practice. And so we did 18 months of instructing women how to teach about the family. And we would have the women who went through that, who went through that class um, to take on the person that we would be counseling. We would assign um, the, the young lady immediately to one of these women. And some tremendous relationships were developed. And we had testimony after testimony how that time with the older woman uh, impacted the life of the young woman so much and, and, and made her marriage so much better. They were, the, the older woman would invite them into the homes and they would see how they take care of the children, how they would do their cooking, everything, and made a tremendous difference. I think that we could do something like that here as well. But you know, we tried to do it actually, and based on the same passage. And we had a gathering with the ladies here. <laughs> How am I going to say this nicely? Um, it, was, it, be, it was a little too threatening, I think, to some of the ladies to be mentors of others. But they still wanted to do something for women. That's how the women ministry came into being, you see. But that wasn't the main cause when it first started. The main idea was to set up a time where these ladies, we would train these ladies in a way, and they would be mentoring other women and I hope that that could still come about sometime. That's what's taught here. Now, also, Scripture tells us that a widow's hope is to be in God, not in the church or in man. In First Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, notice what she says. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed a hope on God. You notice that? She hasn't got a hope fixed on man or in the church, but she has a hope fixed in God. And it seems that's the emphasis when Paul talks about widows and singles as well. The focus has to be on God and glorifying God in that person's life. In Isaiah chapter 54, verses 4 through 6, it tells us, that a widow need not grieve um, overly, overly grieve for her husband because, in fact, she does have another husband. And this is what the prophet says in Isaiah 54. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. Do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widow your, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer, he is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all. God says to the widow in a very special way then, I want you to regard me as your husband now. And your hope is to be fixed in me. Not man, not the church, but in me. That's the word of God. And 
It appears to me then that God is saying that all your needs, whatever they may be, he's going to meet in some form or fashion. Because he is your husband. You will not be put to shame. You will not feel humiliated. You will not be disgraced if you place your hope in God. But again, the scripture tells us, as we've noticed, that the widow's children and grandchildren are primarily responsible for supplying her material needs. They should not allow her to become dependent upon the local church. Scriptures are very clear on that. And as we saw, the church is only responsible for the needs of a widow indeed. That is one who is godly in life, mature in age, without children or grandchildren to care for her. And one who was the wife of one husband. In other words, faithful to her husband when she was married. And this cannot refer to a remarried widow because that will conflict with Paul's permission for them to marry. So he's talking about faithfulness on the part of the wife while she was married. The husband, though the wife of one husband, of one man, meaning that she was faithful to one man. Now, in James chapter 1, verse 27, James tells us that believers are to be individually concerned about meeting the needs of widows. Listen to what he says, James 1.27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself untainted from the world. So he, God, through, the, through James, tells us that we need to have a special care for widows who are widows indeed. He calls them widows in distress. We as individual believers are to reach out to those who have no husbands, whose husbands have died. We should be there for them. I'm going to give you some applications and I'm going to open for questions or comments here. First of all, to the widows, please don't feel that God has abandoned you because your husband is gone. Because now God himself says that he is your husband. And therefore you need to begin an intimate relationship with him. Begin to focus on him. Study and read your word more than you've ever done before. He is your husband. Develop an intimate relationship with him. Secondly, you need to make your family aware of their responsibilities towards you, your children, especially if they're Christians. You need to let them know that they, if they're Christians, they are responsible for caring for you as a widow. They are responsible. And please, don't adopt the attitude that the church or believers owe you anything. See, this is one of the, sometimes the negative attitude that comes up. A widow, just because she's widow, feels that the church owes her support. That's not true according to scriptures. Certain qualifications have to be met. But you see, this kind of attitude creates anger, frustration, and resentment when your expectations are not met, and it opens the way for Satan to enter your life. And in reality... It is your way of saying that God owes you something because he's taking away your husband, your support, your means of comfort. So be careful with that attitude. Turn to God. Then I believe the scripture makes it very clear that a widow needs, and a widow or two, these, these principles apply, need to order your life according to biblical priorities. First, rededicate your life to Christ. I think this is the first thing we should do. 
as widows or widowers, we rededicate our life to Jesus Christ. We rededicate ourselves to the triune God. Make your relationship with him the top priority in your life. Not looking for another husband. That should not be your top priority. Your top priority should be maintaining a close, intimate relationship with God. God will care for you. He'll provide for you. And if he has another mate for you, he will bring that mate to you. He will give you that mate. But if you put a search for a husband above an intimate relationship with God, you're only opening yourselves to more pain and hurt. Do not neglect fellowshipping with God's people. This seems to be a tendency on some as well. Rather than getting together with God's people, they abandon them. They feel that they have to go someplace else where there's a catch around somewhere. And so they abandon the people of God. That's a wrong thing to do. This is true with singles as well. In fact, everyone. It, it, we, we seem to have a tendency that when we were facing difficulties, we leave the church. Where are you going to find the help you need if you don't stay with the church and the people of God? That's where it should be. Now, I admit, sometimes we fail. The church as a group fails. But you remember, the church isn't just... Uh, uh, looking at an institution, there are individuals who love you. There are individuals in that body who will care for you and who wants to care for you. Don't abandon God and don't abandon the people of God. If there's any time you need God and his people, is these times when you're facing difficulties in your life. That's what we're here for, you see. So do not, re, re, do not neglect fellowship with God's people. You can gain both spiritual and moral support from the people of God. And so Hebrews 9.25, I think, is applicable. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some are. Make that a priority in your life, serving God, seeking after him, and fellowshipping with the people of God. And I think also it's necessary for you to commit yourself to a specific ministry within the local church. Because God says now you have an undivided opportunity to serve him. A one focus in your life now could be honoring God in your life. And boy, that's so wonderful. There's a whole new realm of ministry that's open for you. Until God leads you into another relationship, if that is his will for you. But until he does... You should be committed to him and to his work. Now, for the believers as a whole, I believe that we should practice James 1.7 thing which says that we should reach out to the widows in distress. So I think we should even take the approach of adopting a widow. Now, I have to be careful when I say this. By that I mean that we focus on someone and minister to her as best we can. I think it's necessary for the church, the people. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about just the institution. I'm talking about you as an individual reaching out. Um, I was thinking of the night. I, I'm still thinking I'll have to rethink this because I ought to be careful. Uh, sometimes you, 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 people become embarrassed or intimidated and sometimes uh, hurt when you do certain things. But I was really going to have a list of all of our widows. You see, and give it to you. And says, now here, you keep praying for this widow. 
and be always asking God, how can I minister? How can I be a friend? How can I help? You see? And I will still do, still do that, but I will find a way to do it where it's not, wouldn't cause too much problems, I hope. But I think that's the attitude that we need to have in this particular situation. You know, you can invite her to dinner. Him too? Now, you widows, watch out how you uh, invite the widows. But anyway, but you can invite them to dinner. You can provide help around the house for, for widows. You might not be aware of it, but our men are now doing a wonderful work with our widows. We've had um, homes that are being repaired and fixed up by our men's ministry. Uh, as soon as we have a need or hear of a need, the men, right now, they're working on, on a widow's home whose roof is leaking. Now, this isn't the first one, mind you. And, and they're there getting ready to fix that. And they've been doing it, uh, working and, and trying to help the widows and, uh, and single mothers in any way we can. And it has been done right now by our men, but it could be done by all of us. That's the idea here, because it is for all of us to do. Now, for instance, there might be a widow who has children. And as you all know, as Christians, one of the major things that a family needs is a male figure. Isn't that right? A father figure. And this is where some of our men can come in, where we can provide that fatherly, that male uh, image to, uh, to her children by taking them out to games or sharing uh, different opportunities with them just to show the male figure to them. That's, that's necessary. That's important to do. Of course, the reverse is true as well as a widower. When the women are, can do the same thing if the widower ha happens to have a ch his children with him in his home. The female image, the male image, can be provided by God's people if we are caring and sensitive, compassionate, and if we are obedient to the Word of God. All right, let me pause here. Let me stop for a moment. Any questions or comments concerning widows or widowers? Yeah, a one woman. In this case, it was a one, a one a woman, one man kind of a woman. It's the same uh, terms used for uh, a male, a one uh, woman man, one kind of a man. Some people think that's mean you only married once or you're not, not married and divorced, but I don't think that's the passage. The passage means that you are faithful to the woman that you have. You're not a womanizer. In this case, you're not a manizer. You're not chasing after men. Of an elder. Exactly. Same qualifications used. The whole idea is being faithful to the woman that you, or the man, the man that you are with. The scriptures, God looks upon unfaithfulness in a relationship like that as a terrible thing. You're not worthy to be a leader if you are unfaithful to your wife or husband. No, not in that case, because remember now, we have the permission to marry. You see? We have the permission to marry. So I believe that the, the you know, if you want to carry it extended, even if you married three times, uh, once the mate has died. 
I think she still fits for that particular uh, idea of a widow indeed. Okay. Do people get a divorce? They're considered divorcees. Say a few years down the road, one of them passes away. Would that change their um, classification to a widow or whatever? No. Once you're, once you're married and your mate dies, then you're a widow or a widower. But what qualifies you to be one of them is the death of your mate. That's what qualifies. That. Now, however, the question of divorce is a whole different story. And uh, you know, as you know, there's all the different opinions on that, and we'll be dealing with that. Uh, but as far as qualifying for a widow or a widower is concerned, it's only if your maid dies. That is your qualification. Pardon? <laughs> no, I just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. All right, any other questions? Well, no, ask and wait. Ask and wait. That's right. When you ask, he's not going to necessarily drop him right there. <laughs> so you ask and you wait. I believe we should always be praying. But we don't try to answer the prayer ourselves. That's the point. You don't try to answer the prayer yourselves. All right. All right, any other questions? You, you see, I think what Paul is, and what Paul is teaching, and the Scripture seems to indicate when you get right down to it, is true. It's a principle that runs through our entire Christian life. It's trusting God. It's trusting God to meet our needs. That's where it comes down. And that, meeting, that means meeting our material needs, physical needs, emotional needs, sexual needs as well. We wait upon God. If we try to meet needs outside of the will of God, we're only looking for problems and trouble. That's all. And he just simply says, trust me, I will provide. And that is the principle that applies throughout our Christian life. Now, of course, you know, as with the marriage life and so on, certain circumstances make these things sometimes more difficult for others than with others. But still the same principle applies. God is the one who wants to meet your needs in keeping with his will for you. And so all, you have to learn, all we have to do is to learn to develop such an intimate relationship with him that we'll trust him always, no matter what. Now, are you saying that now? I know this thing could be no kind of crazy. Go ahead. In heaven, we can be single. It says uh, we will be known as we are known. So now, suppose I've had two husbands. Which husband will I know? The one you treat the best. <laughs> now listen, when it comes to that, I can't tell you that. There's a little, some things we don't know, all right? We have to understand this. Some things we just don't know. Remember, as we mentioned last time, uh, Jesus teaches, it depends on how you interpret the passage, Jesus teaches that there's going to be no marriage in heaven, but we're going to be as the angel, which implies that there's going to be no children, no marriage relationship. Now how we know... Uh, our mates here are one another. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Now, we could come up with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of desires, but that's all they are, ideas and desires. Scripture doesn't tell us that at all, you see, other than the fact that we are going to be the bride of Christ and we're going to be with him. And so all of the blissfulness of a marriage relationship is going to be experienced 
church with her husband, Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the reason why God used the picture, the metaphor of a bride to assure us that when we finally get to glory, that intimacy, that loving relationship is still going to be experienced by his people. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. Just think. We're going to be on a honeymoon for eternity. Isn't that wonderful? Some people say, man, I've been on my honeymoon for one week, two weeks. That ain't enough. Well, some people say, boy, that was too much. But anyway, uh, with believers, with believers, we're going to be on a honeymoon with Christ for eternity. A loving relationship. That's the point. And a faithful one. We're not going to be seeking after anyone else. We're going to be entirely focused on him. And see, that's what he wants us to do right now, to be focused on him. And he'll meet all our needs. It's just as simple as that. And it comes, that resting in him comes as a result of an intimate relationship with him. You see, we should be talking with our with our bridegroom all the time. We should be telling him how much we love him. You shouldn't just wait for certain weekends or certain times you have your prayer time. And are they good, mind you? But we should be talking with him all the time. We should be communing with him all the time. We should be telling him how much we love him all the time, how much we trust him all the time, how wonderful he is, how handsome he is. That's right. We're supposed to be talking to him in those terms because we are his bride. Amen? will be his bride. All right, any other questions? There are times when a young widow can be a widow indeed. Yes, definitely I do. I believe it is possible, yes. Now, I'm just telling that was a situation there. But I believe that it's possible for a, per, a, a young woman to be totally committed to Christ. Right? Totally committed to Christ. And... Uh, have no means of support or anything else at all, and then I believe that the and I believe the church uh, uh, should support that. That's in keeping with Scripture as well. See? Okay. Any other questions or comments? I have another section, but I leave that out. It looks like I always prepare too much. Like this morning, you realize I only preach a quarter of my sermon this morning. And anyway, any other questions or comments? Say a little louder, Priscilla. You remember, I said I can talk about divorce another time. I hope she marries a man. <laughs> Better say that. No, I don't think so. I think scripture teaches that's one case that shouldn't happen. And in fact, that's because of the nature of marriage. That's where the one flesh concept comes in. I believe that we really do not really understand the depth of the meaning of the one flesh relationship. One flesh relationship is like we're coming into a new family altogether. You see? And that's why that command, I think, is giving that if someone is divorced... And she goes out or he goes out and marries someone else and that person dies, then that person cannot marry her first husband or his first wife because Scripture says that is disgraceful in the sight of God. 
And I think that has to do with the one flesh concept. You cannot marry within the same family. You see? And uh, it's, that's a, we'll get into that because not too many people really understand that concept. Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24. Right. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Lord willing. Yes, Joe. Two Christians adopted who do not place faith in Christ, and 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 uh, they will they will be killed. So I believe there will be marriage and singles in 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 uh, during the millennium. Okay. In fact, no, that's a tribulation. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Well, at a certain time, by the time uh, we, we got to some of the epistles, they were. In the Gospels, they weren't. Uh, in fact, they, some believe that it just started around the time of Christ, where women were able to get divorces. Um, but you're right. Up to that point, women were not allowed to get divorces. You see. Okay. Well, uh, we will continue with... Um, Focus on the, the family. Uh, next Lord's Day, of course, we have Father's Day. So we will be talking some more about fathers and uh, mothers too, in a sense. And then, uh, Lord willing, after several weeks, I'll come back to the, um, to the family again, focusing on young people and uh, what do, how do the singles deal with their singleness. Those who feel that God wants them to marry, how should they live their life and so on. Those who feel that God doesn't want them to marry and those who are not sure. What does the scripture say about singles in those situations? We'll be addressing those uh, in the weeks ahead. So we would appreciate your prayers. Okay? All right. Let's stand for... Closing prayer, please. It's so good to have um, Brother Frankie back. And he comes back with a good report from his doctors that he's all young again and uh, he could go out and he could do anything he wants. Isn't that something? What a clean bill to have. So, Frankie, would you close in the word of prayer for us, please?